Sales development continues to grow in importance as a critical component of a successful go-to-market strategy. And with the explosion of new tools, technology, and processes, the sales development industry itself is thriving, as seen with the growth of the 10-bound sales development market map over at 10bound.com. On this podcast, we'll dive deep and go beyond sales development to think about the future of technology, processes, and tools in the industry with our host, noted futurist, author, and sales development practitioner, Justin Michael. Welcome to Beyond Sales Development. Tune in each week and be sure to hit subscribe, leave a comment, and turn on notifications to never miss an episode. And now, Beyond Sales Development with your host, Justin Michael. Welcome to Beyond Sales Development. I am your host, Justin Michael, doing my best William Shatner impression. And I'm joined here by Sarah Brazier, who is a dynamic account executive at Gong. I believe it's gong.io. <laughs> you can call it whatever. Gong, gong.io. I think we I think we got rid of the .io at some point. But yeah, it's yeah. great to be here. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, thanks for uh, coming on to the show today. So your name has reached my circles because of quality outreach and awesome sales development wizardry that you've done. I've been watching your posts like you sent something that got opened 88 times. I love seeing that. What is getting you excited right now about just B2B sales in general? Could be tech, could be people, like what what gets you excited in the morning? I think the thing that's exciting right now is that we've all been in a slump because of the pandemic for a couple months. And I think that, I mean, everybody had, even if you were, unless you're super, super lucky and like none of your industry was affected, even if you were still selling, it was still like a lot of uncertainty and a lot of this external anxiety that you couldn't, that was not a controllable, you could not control it. And talking to a lot of people and just seeing like job openings and things, it's, it feels like, and I could be totally off base, but it feels like the new normal is sinking in and people are evaluating software again and getting excited to look at software. And the space that Gong is in, it's, it actually feels like it's more relevant now than ever. So it's like a really great time to be transitioning from sales development into an AE role. And I'm doing full full sales cycle. So I'm still my own SDR. So it's an, it's like a really great opportunity to just take what I've learned after doing the job at Gong for a year and a half and then adding a whole bunch of other stuff onto it. So that guess that's a really personal reason why I'm excited. I'm excited to sell and it seems like I can sell. <laughs> People awesome. are ready to buy. <laughs> yeah, I, know. I, I, I feel you on that. I mean, it's been sort of this nuclear winter, this quieting period. I, I'll talk to a company like, you're up 300%, but you're not buying. And they're like, well, you know, the way the world is, right? And you're just kind of, but I feel it too. It's it's coming back. So have you noticed that email is down and LinkedIn is up and phone is up? Like as you do your blended omni-channel outbound, because you're one of the best doing this, how have you had to pivot around it? And have you run different A-B tests to kind of figure out your truth for it as far as like empirical testing? Yeah, so... So, I mean, I just, I have a sequence that I, I have sequences that I run things through and then it's all about what got, what got the meeting. Since I've been ramping and transitioning into this role, I have a lot less time to do just BDR, SDR work. So 
I've pretty much booked, I booked like 20 meetings last month for myself with SMB businesses, which th- that's a good amount for like what our, our quotas are, especially for like a SMB SDR. And I booked like 90% of it off of LinkedIn. I, the other, the other things that I booked, I think I had two off of email. I had one off of a cold call and both the emails, they told me no initially and I objection handled, but on LinkedIn, it's like the, it's just been super, super fast and it's, it's really easy to get in front of someone. So I found that LinkedIn has been really helpful, but I'm also will caveat that, that I'm making sure that I'm talking to the right person (laughs) and being really targeted and specific as to why I'm reaching out to them and why I'm reaching out to them now. And if I don't feel like I can have like a very casual, easy conversation on LinkedIn, then it's probably better to go to email or column, column up. I just got so like, I just went into a total, like, I just zoomed right in (laughs) onto the word specific because wow. Like it's funny. I'm here in Southern California. So I'll be like, OMG specific. What do you mean? Like, that's the problem I'm having with the outreach. It's like, it is personalized. It is relevant. The timing's right. I do have the business case, but then again, it's like vague, like show, show me that it's for me specifically, not just the company I'm at. So how do you think like how to be more specific? Can you define when you say specific? Cause that's, it's a thing people are missing right now, how to do that. Sure. And I think that this has changed for me. Now I'm working SMB, so it's it's different. The the messaging around SMB is different than it is in the enterprise space. So when I was reaching out to enterprise sales leaders, because I sell to sales leaders, the, the conversation was really around like understanding what what's making the engine tick this quarter and what the CEO and CFO are saying on their earnings calls that are going to drive revenue because that is where everybody's minds are. And so you could reach out and you could really talk about like, hey, this and this and this and this and this thing's happening in your business. I know this because I've read all of these different articles about you guys. It, you know, is this showing up for you in like how is this impacting your day-to-day or whatever? And people would take that call because they appreciated the emphasis on research. When you're prospecting SMB companies, typically they're privately held, which means there's a lot less information about what kind of plays that they're doing in order to drive revenue. And so you have to, A, think more creatively. And you can't just reach out and be like, hey, I noticed you're hiring, so do you want to evaluate my software? Or, hey, I noticed that your your team grew 300% over the last six months. Do you want to evaluate my software? So instead, you have to kind of think, well, first of all, what, do, what does that mean? No one just grows their company just because. Like, you don't bring bodies on just because. It's You're bringing bodies on because you have this idea that if I bring on X amount of, of reps, then they will, you know, close X amount of business and that'll get me to whatever dollar amount that I'm trying to get to. That dollar amount may or may not be harder to achieve depending on how the business was impacted by COVID. On top of that, like if a company is rolling out a new product or a company is, you know, changing, changing, well, if you roll out a new product, then you're probably going to have new messaging around that product. That product also is probably being, rolled out for a couple of reasons. It could be that they're trying to penetrate a new market entirely. Like, oh, we're moving into Europe. We need to be GDPR compliant. So we rolled out this new product that will allow us to be that way and we can penetrate this market. It could be because they're trying to move up market. So currently our solution is really great for SMB, but if we 
add this other thing, then that's going to allow us to go into the enterprise. And if we go enterprise, then that's going to increase our ACV by X amount of dollars. Or it could be that they're rolling out a new product to differentiate competitively, or it could be a combination of all three. So if you do a little bit of research and you look at the space, so if you're working in, you know, security, right? That's a super competitive space. There's a lot of greenfield too, as well, because COVID's happening right now, which is increased cyber attacks. And then there's a election. So that always increases security risk. So it's a great time for security to be selling. On top of that, like people are all working from home. So cloud security is really important, but now everyone needs to differentiate and everything's really competitive. So if you reach out and you say, Hey, I know this is going on in your business, but more importantly, And then you get specific about them in their role in your job. You do X, Y, and Z thing according to your LinkedIn or according to this press release about you or according to blah, 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 connecting the dots here. But I thought X thing might be top of mind, you know, and that's what I mean by specific. It's like you just have to develop the business acumen to understand why people are doing what they're doing and what challenges might result from the action that you're taking because no one just does stuff just to do it. (laughs) yeah that is so eloquently put i was cheering silently over on the side because that is it acumen developing acumen so what is ai proof is you know the supercomputer that we have one brain equaling all human compute what you just described is like i think a level of thoughtfulness around what to say and how to bring relevant personalization which supersedes any tech delivery mechanism like doesn't matter what stack you have if you don't nail what you just said and understand their business acumen meaning you know as a rep i have made an attempt to understand how you monetize your funnel (laughs) that's really powerful so let's see what is your tech stack can you share or yeah even philosophically you know yeah what you like and don't like i feel like i'm talking to a race car driver here it's like (laughs) like a big fin you like 400 horsepower like what what do you use? Because I'll tell you, you're going to win if you if you do it the way you just said, you know? So we have a couple different things that we use for like creating sequences. I use outreach and that's how I do all my outbound dials. And that's how I organize how I'm going to communicate with people. I definitely think that if you're trying to, especially like if you're in like a high velocity or like, you know, a high growth, maybe not high velocity, not like super, super fast deal cycles, but just high growth. Having a tool like Outreach is imperative for your SDRs to be successful. On top of that, I have Zoom Info and I also use Seamless. Zoom in, like I use Seamless. If I can't find it in Zoom Info, I find that Zoom Info is really good for like enterprise uh, level accounts or larger accounts. But if you're working in SMB, people move jobs so quickly. They move around all the time and things get acquired and, and uh, it feels like I just need something that can immediately tell me what someone's cell phone number is. And I go over to Seamless to enrich that data. And I I call people cell phones. People ask me that all the time. Do you call cell phones? Yes. (laughs) Welcome to the club. I do. What do you do when they say, where did you, where did you get my number? I say I got it off of seamless AI or it was already in my CRM. Oh my God. It's like, and, and I don't always know if it's their cell phone. Like if it gets into like outreach, if someone put it in there before me, you know, if someone was working the account before me, I don't know how we got it. So like, it was just in my system. Like, I don't know. <laughs> or I literally got it off outreach or I got it off of LinkedIn. Sometimes people put their number publicly on LinkedIn. I could spend the whole call on this topic. So the fearlessness to call a cell phone. And yeah. I mean, the, what's the worst they can say? No. Or, you know, take me off your list. 
that's it. Well, someone asked, yeah, someone asked me about that and I'm like, oh, well, I'm selling to HR. So I just, I feel like I get more pushback. And I said, well, if no one's answering the emails and no one is responding to your LinkedIn messages and no one's picking up their office phone because they're not in the office and you're paid to book meetings, then you should just call their cell phone. Here's a good They're one. obviously ignoring you. Yeah. So. <laughs> the, the one I get, you know, cause I just, uh, turned 40, which is cool. It's a new 30. That's all good. But it's like, Hey, my generation, we don't answer the phone. Like millennials, we don't use cell phone. <laughs> we don't check messages. We don't check phones. And then I remember I was working in a mobile startup and I, and I was told this by the leadership. I was like, let me just do some calls. And, uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> and it worked, worked really well. So have you ever run into that pushback? I mean, it's funny cause I always put my cell phone up on LinkedIn and within five minutes gong and chorus calls me and then no one else in the world. So that's <laughs> well played. <laughs> yeah. I, I think that no people, people, I feel like there's music playing in the background. Can you hear that? My boyfriend just walked out of my house. No, it's all and good. I, I couldn't hear any music. <laughs> I, I have a husky that's going to start to wail in a minute. <laughs> this will be, we interrupt this broadcast to bring you. <laughs> uh, here's a commercial for gong. Shameless plug. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I don't know. I call sales leaders and they pick up the phone, right? Like if a prospect's going to call, especially in a month, that's like a great time to call. Because if a prospect is, is going to, you know, I have to turn this music off. But yeah, if a prospect is going to call them to either sign a sign and close a deal or not, oh my God, I'll just restart this whole bit. I don't know. I don't know what I will. I will ask you your favorite music (laughs) on that note because sometimes when I'm prospecting really, really hard, I have all these hilarious like musical artists that I don't want to admit that I listen to, you know, just to like keep my mind off of the monotony. I love that. My boyfriend is a, he's an engineer and he's always listening to terrible music. I don't um, know that band. Ter- terrible? Is that terrible music. Something? No, it's, that's just. The... <laughs> yeah. Anyway, to get back to the topic, sure. I, yes, I call cell phones and I call sales leaders cell phones because they pick up the phone and they pick up the phone because they're expecting a prospect to call them back because they've been making dials and they're trying to close business. So also I think that there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of sales leaders who pick up the phone because they want to see what other people are doing for their cold calls. People will let me just like pitch and talk to them and they'll throw me objections just to see how I objection handle. So yeah. That's awesome. There he is. Yeah. There he is again. You should put the video on just to, just to show him. I don't know if we're going to even have the video. It may just be (laughs) audio. So you've already recommended so many things that like I preach, you know, I've, I've really enjoyed the approach. So Talk to me about, well, first, what is your favorite song while prospecting? You have like a theme song? I don't listen to music when I prospect. Ever? Even when you're doing like spreadsheets or list building or? No, I don't. Because wow. I start listening to the lyrics and, or I'll get frustrated. I, I think I've, in the past year and a half, I think I've turned music on my headphones like maybe five times. Wow. So, so you're totally in like a Zen flow state of research and don't even need music. That's killer. Tell me about the future, because I think where platforms like Gong and Chorus can go in this remote world is they can start comparing the data from different calls and like scoring you in real time. Like I almost envision, I have all these futuristic predictions and I don't know your roadmap, so don't worry. But imagine as we're doing this call that I had like emotion analysis. It's like, oh, I'm sounding a little condescending here. Little ego, tamp that down. It's reading your facial recognition or as I'm doing the call, I'm talking too much or something. And it's going, 
a propensity to become an opportunity is going down 20%. <laughs> so I think Gong, I feel like you're building this type of stuff. Talk to me about predictive analysis of calls. So I, we actually did run sent, sentiment for a while and we found that it was, it's too, it's, it's too challenging. And it also, there are things that, that we think are negative sentiment, but it turns in terms of tonality and stuff. But a, a lot of times people, people are, are bluff all the time. That's fascinating. And, and we can't, we can't like accurately figure that out. I think that the other piece of that is if it was real time, I don't think that the human brain is capable of receiving like critical feedback about what they are and aren't doing well when they're trying to engage and have a real conversation. Like I don't, until the, until we catch up emotionally and like mentally, we'll never be, I don't think we'll be able to go, Hmm. Okay. So I guess I need to like fix my eyebrows. Oh, what was that you said? (laughs) Can you tell me more about that pain you're having? It's like trying to like, we can barely even take notes when we're like running a discovery call. (laughs) You made a great point because I was thinking a lot about flight simulators and I'm like, okay, I'm getting this plane down. It's like, we predict you'll crash. You know, that's like kind of what you're on a call and you're feeling confident. It's going well. And then you, your analytics is just red light, like 0%. So you're right. What is a piece of technology you wish, like two pieces of technology you wish worked together, worked better, right? I feel like data, I just wish someone just had perfect cell phone data. That would be the holy grail. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, what would you build? What would you need to turbocharge what you're doing? There's something called Cheetah IQ I thought of. I interviewed um, Cheetah IQ and it basically researches the 10Ks and 10Qs and like harvests it immediately. So you can look yes. at it. That's pretty good. I was going to mention that when you asked about tech stack, there's a couple tools that I, I use. I've used Seeking Alpha and I've used Sentio. Cool. And I, I got out of the enterprise motion right before I started like really looking at Cheetah IQ, but I thought, ooh, it would be really cool to have this. That's like, that's super great. Right now, this, it does sound like a plug for Gong, but it's not. But I've been using Gong more than I've been using anything else because like I'm ramping right now. So there's just so much to learn and there are so many different instances of how things come up in conversation. And so like what I've been doing is I've been specifically creating like saved searches of calls that the people who've closed the most revenue and are like consistently top performers. I've been looking at exactly what they're doing in their calls whenever specific competitors are mentioned in like their qualification or discovery calls versus how they handle it when it shows up in a late stage deal and like trying to like follow deals through the entirety of the cycle. I feel like Gong is super powerful, but the more powerful it can get on helping me, helping break down why this discovery question phrased this way was so impactful versus why a similar discovery question, but close ended is less and like really starting to understand like the, the whys behind what resonates with people. I think that's just going to be really exciting. I think that's so cool. I mean, you actually jogged a memory here. I used to play competitive AYSO soccer. (laughs) I actually made it to the all-star team, which, you know, a 10 year old kid with a big kick, I couldn't run very fast, but I could clear the ball as the sweeper. And we'd watch the videos of the other team. Like we had some parents who were serious coaches. I mean, we're watching like the other team play, like let's predict, but could you imagine a scenario where, top reps are like exchanging their gong recordings of their best calls and it's just like traded like on the black market in a way because you can kind of see how it converts like you want to sell against your competitors study their emails right like right so we do it internally we're we're comparing calls and emails we 
and all of that good stuff internally. I'm also excited for um, the amount of analysis that we can do on calls right now for us to be able to do the same thing with emails. We're getting there. Oh, cool. like, I didn't even know you had that. That's really cool. Yeah. Gong, Gong does a lot of cool stuff. It's doing like calls like this, calls on your phone, ingests emails. And then it also ingests like face-to-face conversations. You can, there's an app and so you can record it and it'll speak or separate. It'll tell the difference between my voice and your voice. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> um, that's wild. I didn't, I, I didn't know. So this is a lot of education. Tell me about five years from now, 2025, 2035, 2050, bridging towards singularity. It's like, where does all of this go? Like if you could build a technology, do you think SDRs might go away? Some companies might run XDR, X machina. <laughs> um, some, some companies will, but until you have the ability to to understand why people do what they do fully, then I, I think that AI is just not there yet. So maybe they will, maybe they won't. I have no idea. I think that sure, there's lots of really cool tools and maybe one day it'll all meld together into one iRobot that walks along with us and helps us identify prospects as we walk down the street. But there's a book, it's called To Sell is Human. And I think just that line is very like, clear uh, selling is a, a very human experience. And the more you can stop thinking of yourself as an SDR and start thinking of yourself as a person trying to have a conversation, I think the better you'll end up doing. And I just think it's like, I'm, I'm having it. My objective is to have a conversation that has, has an outcome and that doesn't end in no decision. I need a yes or a no. That's just my objective for every call. Right. Yeah. Are you intentionally thinking I want to help this person or assessing, can I help this person? Is there an intent to keep it interesting for me. Like people are like, I got nicknamed the machine and they're just like, your life is monotony. It's the same exact call. But I'm like, it's not for me because I'm so curious about this person. And my curiosity is keeping this interesting for me. That was my, you know, silver lining when doing very high volume (laughs) calling. So are you, are you finding that when you link that intent, that it has an effect on your tonality because you have tonality measurement, right? So you can actually see. Oh, that hits. Yeah. So I, I don't really think that we're measuring, we don't really measure tonality. We just, we're like transcribing the call and analyzing the contents of the conversation. Okay. Because, well, for example, if you listen to my cold calls and this other guy named Adam O'Chart's cold calls, we were both SDRs at the same time. I've talked to and, him actually. He posted something awesome that I reposted a ton of people. <laughs> yeah. He's, he's really, really good. And his big fan of Chris Voss has never split the difference. And that's, that's, that's how he runs his cold calls. And he's got a really low, almost monotone voice. And when he talks to you, like you, you can feel that he's a shark and like he's in there and he's like ready to go. And then if you listen to my calls, I sound really happy and perky and (laughs) I giggle a lot and it's like a totally different tone to the conversation, but we were neck and neck every month for top SDR. And the thing that was consistent was that we both objection handled the same way because he taught me how to objection handle. And so we use the same format and we use the same, like the same lines. So it's not, it's not, uh, I don't think tonality is as important. Like people, yes, people can tell if you're nervous, they can tell if you're, if you're not smiling, but I don't think Adam really smiled that much on his call. In fact, I told him That's fascinating. <laughs> wow. In closing with a few more minutes left, I'm, I'm curious, like, 
Okay, so you're obviously reading Chris Voss. I went through the simulation. CEO of Tune ran us through the Chris Voss simulation right after the book came out. And I was like, Mm -hmm. I was a settler. I was in the middle. I was definitely like, I was splitting the difference. I'll be honest with you, I was. (laughs) What do you, like, what inspires you to get better? You're like, I'm ramping. So is there a facet of internal training gong that helps you enable or certain books? Do you have book clubs? Do you have doing this Rev Genius thing, Rev Collective? I mean, I I feel like we're in the period of remote work and remote upskilling. It's kind of wild. Everybody seems to be working on their game in a way I've never seen. (laughs) Yeah. So I think one of the things that is so hard is the amount of time I spend in front of a screen and just like on Zoom. So for me, I, so there's, I I taught for a little while. I taught for one whole year, middle school. And one of the guys that I worked with was working on his master's degree in education. And his thesis was on the IPO of learning, which is input processing output. And you have to optimize for that. And I think that there's, there's a massive problem with the American education system where we say input output. And if you can't output what was input, then you suck. Like we, we have that in like the way that we test and it, carries itself over into the way that we design our adult education. And so we, a lot of times are like, okay, onboarding two weeks long. Here's a bunch of information. Great. The two weeks are over. And in two weeks you have a quota, you have a number over your head and go. And that, that doesn't work. That doesn't make sense. So for me, I've been intentionally trying to create processing periods for myself to either like turn my brain off or to, to like think about it in a, unscreen, un like unbombarded with other things environment. So I've been going on runs and on my runs I start to digest like, okay, so this is what we learned today. And how would that look like in a demo flow? And how would this pain translate? And I just kind of like work through it as I run. Like I think taking time away. And I noticed this as well when I was acting because I did I did I did theater and I did speech and debate for years and years and years and years and years. And I would do this event called dramatic interpretation, which is like, it's not a debate at all. You basically do like a 10 minute monologue where you play very characters going through trauma and they cry usually. And I still have like pieces of pieces of stuff that I memorized like 15 years ago, like in my head. So I, um, I remember I was working at a camp, like a speech and debate camp coaching and Someone asked me if I could perform a piece that I'd performed like three years before. And they gave me like 24 hours notice. So I took like an hour and I rememorized it really quickly. I rememorized it within like 45 minutes or something. I was like, oh, wow, that's really, that was easy. And then I got up and performed it for the kids. And uh, there's a recording of it. And I watched the recording later. And I was like, oh, my gosh, this is so much better than the way I used to perform it. Because there was like this whole time in my in some part of my subconscious that was that had processed and made the the pieces and the parts kind of fall together and make sense. So I think sometimes the best thing for like development and learning is okay, I just consumed a lot of content. Now I just need to like stop and just let it sit. I love that. I relate to that. I, you know, aspire to run more often and I had to get demo certified on a artificial intelligence media buying platform in Tel Aviv. And I was flunked several times <laughs> at the sea level because I was good, but I wasn't great. I used to just trail run and run the screens and the UIs in my head and walk through each. I'd be like running and talking and running and trying to like develop. So it, it's such a wild uh, thing. Yeah, I, uh, <laughs> I relate to that. So 
look, it's been an awesome half hour. I feel like I could talk with you for 300 hours. That's about how much research I put into my book. I hope it's uh, something that will help you. I didn't even think about processing and, and learning models. So that's, it just blew my mind. How can people find you, things you're working on, any URLs, websites, like how would you like to be found? Yeah, you can find me on LinkedIn. I think it's like slash SJ Brazier, but I don't actually know. I'm Sarah Brazier. I'm on LinkedIn. And then I've recently started a project with a group called SDR Nation, which is all about getting SDRs coaching. So if you're an SDR who's looking to up your game in your social outreach or your cold calling or just understand like best practices around how you can actually optimize your tech stack to make it work for you instead of having to like work against it. (laughs) You should check us out. Awesome. Well, thanks for being on the show and really a pleasure to meet you today and very, very wise shares. Thank you so much, Sarah. Thank you. Thank you for having me.